About 30 years ago, I became associate pastor at a church um, when I first entered ministry, and um, uh, the associate pastor's job was to tell the children's sermon. And um, after worship, sometimes people would come up to me and say, you know, I got so much more out of your message than the senior pastor's message. I'm not fooling myself. I'm just the footnote to that. Our scripture today comes from the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter. This is not the Easter story that maybe you expect. We kind of heard that just a minute ago, and we'll get into that a little bit. But this is a little later. This is, a, this is about a month and a half after the resurrection. This is called the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you were here on Friday night. We had our Good Friday service, and, and it's really a, a, a choral concert, um, orchestra involved, and um, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. We do three concerts a year, and uh, Donna Baker, who's our director of traditional worship, Donna does a fantastic job of pulling that together. If you didn't get to see it, you really did miss it. It was, it was wonderful. And uh, I, I offered that to you. Listen for those concerts coming up. I think we do one in August and then one uh, close to Christmas. Uh, I hope that you'll avail yourself to those because they're just, they're just absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, and even if you are the contemporary worship type, you would find the music moving. And, uh, but I, I had the, the, the important responsibility of saying hello at that service. Um, that, that was pretty much all they would allow me to do. But I did fit in a few other things. And, and, and I, I used um, a phrase, uh, paraphrases, um, during that uh, service that were a teaser for today. And, and, and the way that went is like this. Christ went to the cross because of you. But also, Christ went to the cross for you. Christ went to the cross because of you, and Christ went to the cross before you. Those two statements need to be held in tension with each other. They're, 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 they're two sides to the same coin. You don't have one without the other. Without, without the other, the first is, is, is just shameful. And without the flip side, well, the, the flip side then is just indulgent. It's both. And I've often heard people say, well, you know, no one had to die for me. I've heard my own dad say that. No one had to die for me. Well, you know what? That's a, that's a 21st century reflection on a first century reality. And we're not really good with history. We, we like to tell history in a way that flatters us, uh, our side of things, or that we can point to others and say, how bad? 
point to those others in the past. We, we don't always tell history in a way that impacts us. And you know what they say, that, that those who, who fail to remember history are doomed to repeat it. Well, if we don't remember it properly, there's a, a doom there as well. God, God desires a relationship with you. God offers a loving grace to all of us. And the offer is there all the time. But in history, humanity has snubbed God, just walked away. Now, we do that by ignoring God or, or by doing things to each other or in, in many different ways. And what we, we, we call those things sin. Those things that we do that separate us from God, that, that put a wedge, drive a wedge between ourselves and God. And that was the case back then. It's nothing new. It was the case back then. And so, so God in, in, in time created a sacrificial system. And, and the point to the sacrificial system was this. You know, if you've hurt somebody, it's costly. It costs your relationship. And it might take some doing, some work, maybe chocolates and flowers if that's what it takes, but it might take something for you to offer reconciliation. And so God created this sacrificial system so that when the people sinned, because they're going to sin, there was a way back to God. There were steps to take, but they were costly steps. There was actually a financial outlay. It was the first fruits of their, their crops, or, or it was a dove or a lamb or, or olive oil. Or it, it, was, it was a costly thing to get right with God again. And people abused that system as well. You see, that, that, that sacrificial system was so bad that God had to get rid of it. Not that it was bad on God's part, but it was bad on the people's part. It got to the point that they said, well, we'll do whatever because we'll just take a sacrifice. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? I can do whatever I want on, on Monday through Saturday because there's Sunday. God's way of, of solving that and putting an end to it is to offer a final sacrifice, the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. You see, when God's offer of love is refused, that's called sin, and whatever we do to offend God, there needs to be, there's, there's cost to that, and there needs to be a payback. But we can't seem to pay back enough. And we don't always recognize it. We don't always hold ourselves responsible for it. Uh, you know, most of us are not in the category of murder. I don't want to know right now. But most of us are not in the category of murder. But, you know, there are those other nine commandments. And in those, we could probably find ourselves. And if not those nine, there are a lot of other ones listed. You know when you've hurt somebody. And by the way, hurting other people is hurting God. And you know when you've hurt somebody. 
But we tend to have created God in our own image. It's a soft and easy God. A God that says, ah, oh, you're not so bad. God's fine with me. What could I have possibly done? And besides, it's someone else's fault. If they hadn't pushed me to it, I wouldn't have done it. The devil made me do it. And we come up with all sorts of creative ideas to exonerate our own guilt. And if that's your final answer on God, I hate to tell you what God's final answer is on you. However, God had a different idea. Because those system of sacrifices weren't working, people were exonerating themselves back then just as we try to today. But sin added up, and no amount of self-justification would make us right with God. So God offers that sacrifice in Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Christ died because of you. He went to the cross because of you. And what God really didn't want was a war with you. He wanted peace. And we tend to be at war with God anytime we offend somebody. Oh, maybe it's not at the level of war, but it kind of feels like it when we're opposed to somebody, when we have a difference of opinion that, that overflows into some angry words or, 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 or poor treatment of ourselves or the other. God doesn't desire the war. God desires the peace. And, and it's not like we're doing an outright waging of war. It's, it's more like a war of attrition or a death by, by a thousand paper cuts. And, and most of us are, are, are not on that side of murder, but those other nine, what about all the other ways we've offended God? And you realize that, that when two are at war... It's only when they're at war that one can offer peace. It's only when, when sides are in conflict that the necessity, let's try that again, the necessity for peace is there. Let me give you a few examples of, of those who called for peace in our history. Nelson Mandela jailed for 27 years for seeking to end racial injustice in the South Africa. And upon his release, he called for peaceful elections and presided as president over his country in their first multiracial government. Gandhi, as a lawyer and a member of a middle-class family, he recognized the oppression of the occupying forces from Great Britain and the taxation from the elitist ruling party. And he started a peace movement of nonviolent restraint, uh, uh, resistance, that eventually won independence for India. And maybe not on the same level, but, but of the same sense of offer, there was, there was 20 years ago, Rodney King, you might remember this, he was beaten by police and it was caught on video. And the police officers were acquitted of their crimes, and L.A. erupted into riots. And, and Rodney King's words were, can't we all just get along, an offer of peace. Now, don't read too much into this. I'm not equating them all with each other, and I'm not equating them with Jesus Christ. But what happens in each one of these stories, in each case, is that the call for peace comes from the one who was offended. 
while it doesn't equate with Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, it certainly serves as an example. God, the one who is offended, calls for peace with you. I don't want to sensationalize too much what happened on that, that Good Friday when Christ went to the cross because of you. But there was the violence of the, the scourge, the whip that tore at the flesh, and there was a crown of thorns that was pressed down on his head and then beaten down with rods, and there was nails into hands and feet, and there, there was a spear in the side, and he died. There was death. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't in a comatose state. He was dead. You don't survive a cross. And you created the environment necessary, that necessitated, <laughs> I'm having trouble with that word today, that necessitated Christ dying because of you. But let's remember that that's only one side of the coin. There's two sides. Christ also went to the cross for you. Christ went to the cross for you. When Christ offers peace, it's God saying, I have no hate, I have no need for revenge, I don't need superior firepower to bring a peaceful reconciliation. He says, I hung up on that cross, I'm giving us a whole new direction. It was foretold in Scripture hundreds of years before. He offers a new covenant, a peace treaty of sorts, a covenant that isn't written down in stone. It's not displayed so that you can point others to the laws that they've broken. Rather, God says, it's a promise between me and each one of us, between God and every individual. It is offered for you, a promise that you are no longer at war with God. That God says, I accept you without condition, and now I want to move you toward who I created you to be from the beginning. So Dave, why this scripture today? I'm glad you asked. Because as I said, this took place a month and a half after Jesus is resurrected. And here's the deal. It's called the Great Commission. And those who have accepted that Christ died because of us, but also Christ died for us, those who have accepted that have been commissioned to share that. Not just on Easter morning, not just on Sunday morning, but always in our lives. We have been commissioned to share this good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ because of you and for you. Be clear that it, it takes place because Christ didn't just die on the cro cross, Christ rose again. Christ is risen. See? You got it. 
You know that good news. It was the cry that was heard and has been heard for 2,000 years. And, and it is, it's not just something that, that came up later. When Christ raised from the tomb, the, the, there were women whose job it was to go prepare the body for final burial. You see, he was crucified on, on Friday, late into the evening on Friday. When the sun goes down, it begins their Sabbath. It would have been wrong for them religiously to have prepared the body on the Sabbath. And so they put them in the tomb, but they're going to come back on, on Sunday. So from Friday night until Saturday night at sundown, and you didn't want to go to the tomb after sundown Saturday night, so you waited until Sunday morning. And when they got there Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, and the message was given to them. These women who went to the tomb was given to them that Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. They become the first evangelists as they head back to the other followers or former followers. They didn't know they were still followers. And they gave that message that Christ is not dead. He's risen from the grave. And he's risen to offer us a, a, a new life, a new direction, a new way of living. Not, not this artificial way of living that we, that we have been living, that each one of us has been living. A, a, an artificial way of life that's been given to us by, by others, by community, by, by culture, by whatever. But, but a real life. The life that our, our, our Father in heaven designed us for from the beginning. And now these people who accept that commission go out to share it. And I know we didn't always get it right. I know there's been mistakes along the way. I know that there, there was the crusades, killing in the name of Jesus, and there's been corruption, and there's been abuse. And on behalf of the church, I apologize. Because it's not what Jesus wanted. It's not the example that he left for us. Jesus doesn't want us to live at war with one another. I'm not just talking nation-on-nation nation war. I'm talking about culture wars that, that we are in the midst of right now. And, and it's not something new. It's been going on all these centuries. But this isn't the way of Jesus Christ. And like I said, it's true that sometimes we get it wrong. And I'm sorry about that. We're just practicing faith. We haven't gotten it right yet. But by God's grace, we're being motivated, moved to get better at it if we'll take it seriously. But Christ never got it wrong. He lived the most honorable of motives and, and lived for your sake and died for you. And if you've hesitated to accept that, don't. The offer, while, while presented by those, it's presented by those who have, who have accepted the commission, but the offer is from Christ. And the invitation is to join the commission, to join us in bringing this message of reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross because of you. That's a finger-shaking thing. But because of God's great love for you, Jesus died on the cross for you. And that's a welcoming thing.
We've been commissioned to deliver that message. And if you'll accept it, join us in that commission. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for this commission that you've given us. This call on our lives to move beyond ourselves and into the world. God, we pray that uh, in, in living out this commission, that we'll get it right more often than we get it wrong. That we'll improve and get better. God, forgive us for when we've gotten it wrong. Forgive us for times that we no doubt will get it wrong again. But help us to practice until we become perfect. And when we think we're there, we'll practice even more. For we pray it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. As the ushers come now, they're going to pass the offering basket. And it's, a, it's an opportunity for you to participate in that commission. To get on board with what Christ is seeking to do in the world. To join the church in our commission. To share Christ in many different ways. I hope that you'll join us in that commission.